Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome into another episode of Brewcast and another Rivalry Week episode here with Michigan Hoops. A lot to talk about here on today's show. Uh, obviously have to talk some Michigan Hoops. Huge road win on Sunday at Maryland. We're going to get into that. We're going to take a look ahead to Michigan State. We're going to get into some NFL Combine stuff. But first, have to welcome in my co-host, Mr. Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. Guys, how are you doing? I know we, we had a little delayed episode here. I'm on the road here this week, but uh, got to get it done. You know, show must go on. How's it going? Doing pretty good uh, for that reason and the fact that, you know, we're not going to bore you for an hour with NFL Combine talk. I do have a, a few takes I want to hit from it, but probably a little bit of a shorter episode today. No guests this week. Um but next few weeks will be pretty busy with obviously Michigan basketball playing at Michigan state on Saturday of the big 10 tournament coming up. Uh, I'll be there hoping to uh, have all kinds of surprises and things like that in store for my little trip uh, to Chicago. So uh, yeah, good to be here today and you know, a little bit abbreviated, but excited for the shows that are following soon. Chris, how are you, man? I'm doing well guys. Yeah. This is a bit of a, a morning brew, if you will. Uh, we're recording this early, uh, but little, obviously no compl- little hair of the dog. No com- What's that? It's a little hair of the dog in the morning. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, glad to be here. You know, good. Good. You. It's going to be a shorter show, but a good one. There's an interesting week uh, up ahead for uh, Michigan basketball, and a pretty uh, a pretty damn good week that just passed as well. So, looking forward to talking about that. 
Well, guys, uh, I do want to talk about that, but first I got to let you know that this week, this past week, has kind of made me concerned a little bit. I'm not talking about basketball. I'm looking ahead to the fall. I'm a little bit concerned right now uh, about Michigan football because, uh, hey, I am so happy for Rashawn Gary, Devin Bush, David Long, Chase Winovich. So happy for those guys posting incredible numbers at the Combine. But also seeing those numbers has me incredibly concerned because Michigan had some elite guys on that defense. I'm not talking about good. I'm not even talking about great. I'm talking about elite guys. I see four NFL starters off last year's defense. I think Rashawn Gary is going to be a starter. I think Chase Winovich is going to be a starter. Devin Bush, David Long, also going to be starters in the NFL. And yet, Two losses to Notre Dame, to Ohio State, where they let up 63, and then the Florida debacle, but that's w- without a number of guys, obviously, so it's it's really hard to count that one with looking forward. But, I mean, they had elite-level talent, and, and they still weren't able to get the job done. Like, how do you replace these guys come September? Yeah, I think that was my initial takeaway. Uh, I tweeted this out on Monday, and this may be what sort of spurned the topic. And then Nick Baumgartner also wrote about it in the free press uh, this morning as we're recording. Um, you know, to me, and this is kind of directly quoting what I said, I think the most frustrating thing about seeing all of these guys ball out is that they had, in, th- in, in theory, they had the athletes to match up against. Ohio State and what made that game so so shocking and that that failure so spectacular is that they weren't able to get it done and I had a few people say oh well maybe not you know on the back end because if you go through you look go through and look at what Ohio State's wide receivers did at the combine I think all three of those guys um, McLaurin Paris Campbell and I can't uh, why is the other one escaping my name but all, all three of those guys they had there um ran four four ones or better so that's elite speed for everyone that's at the combine and people put a lot into you know these combine numbers and things like that but i think at least athletically it gives you an idea a profile of what you are kind of up against and then dwayne haskins i think all he did was cement his status as a first round pick over the weekend so um i think as as the pain subsides and we can kind of pull apart what happened in november now it's it's pretty clear to me that one First and foremost, Ohio State just out-executed you and kind of out-athleted you a little bit. And and the second is that when you look at guys like Rashawn Gary, Chase Winovich, uh, Devin Bush, David Long, all balling out, all had excellent combines. I think all of those guys will be off the board by uh, the time Friday night's done. Um, it is disappointing uh, that that you, you weren't able to, to get it done. And the bowl game, you can throw that out because when you see just how – you see what people are saying about Devin Bush and Gary and Winovich in the NFL circles. Like, well, Winovich played, but no Gary, no Devin Bush in that game. Once you see what you see what they were going to be without those guys on the field. So uh, those are special players, and I know that um, I know that there's a sour taste in everyone's mouth, but uh, it's gonna be. If you thought the end of the season was disappointing. It's gonna it's gonna be hard to replace those guys, which I, I have confidence they will. That next generation is kind of their time to come up through, but um, it, it really does just. And like I said, make no mistake about it. I'm very I'm incredibly happy for those guys. I think they're all like you said. I, I think that at least three of those guys are NFL starters, and uh, it, it just makes what happened and how the year ended just a little bit more hurtful, I guess. 
Yeah, no, I understand. I'm always conflicted, uh, you know, right around combine time, especially, especially this year, because, uh, there, like you said, there is kind of that sour taste, but, uh, you know, some dust has settled a little bit. And I mean, you still root for these guys, obviously. I mean, they still went to Michigan. They, 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 did their did their time there and and did i think their, uh did their time seeing, like a prison sentence yeah i know right yeah <laughs> uh maybe not the best wording for it but uh you know they, they were trying to get to the nfl and and you it is uh a bit bittersweet because it's great to see these guys um doing well at the combine you know upping their draft stock and uh, i think it puts to to rest some of the, uh, especially with Rashawn Gary, I know that there were when he decided to go pro, there were people saying, "Oh, you know, maybe he, he was never that great at Michigan. He underachieved." But Rashawn Gary is a, a, just a freak athlete, and he's gonna be a, a you know top five ten pick, and is gonna dominate in the NFL. So, I mean, I'm I'm happy for these guys. Um, it's yeah, it's just. The question you have to ask is, did they get the most out of these players? And I think in some ways, yes. I think with Devin Bush and Winovich, for sure, they maximized uh, their talents. But, you know, I I think – I don't know. Maybe it was just he was double teamed a lot, but it seems like Michigan might not have used uh, Rashawn Gary to his full uh, potential. But that's kind of a conversation for another day. But it's just something to think about when you realize, once again, just how ridiculously or just how much of a freak athlete this guy is. And that's kind of where I was going to go next with that is that I, I, I felt like. I felt like Rashawn Gary was I don't want to say misused because I still think he was good in the role he was. He was a run he was a run yeah. anchoring defensive end. And, and he did get a lot of double teams and things like that. I always thought that he was a guy that I said this out of high school, reminded me a lot of Indomitian Sue, who could be like that terror on the inside, you know, as a you know, mm-hmm. as a three technique mm-hmm. next to a nose or something like that. Um you know, so and there's always and the thing with the expectation, it, it was Rashawn Gary a failure at Michigan or not? He wasn't a failure. Uh, he wasn't even not at all. Not he wasn't at all overrated. I mean, you, the production wasn't there. But I think anytime a guy comes into the school with you know number one overall recruit stature, I mean, was Deshaun Hand like not the number one overall recruit that year? He came out, went to Alabama, didn't really do anything there. So it's just so hard to live up to that billing. And I think Michigan fans because. Because it is so – it's not rare that they get five stars, but it's not – like you're not getting four or five of them a year like Alabama is. So when you get that guy, I think this fan base has a tendency to kind of overrate them and hype them up uh, because the system has done that. Um, but you have to – you know, when these guys come – once you hit a college campus, it's a blank slate. So, um, yeah, I, I think – my, it's not my final thought on all this, but, you know, when I, when I go back and I look at what happened at Ohio State, yeah – the wide receivers of Ohio State were great. Twain Haskins was great. Um, it sucks that guys like Winovich and Gary weren't able to even get a fingertip on Twain Haskins because that, that to me is the biggest disappointment of that game, especially because I don't think Ohio State's offensive line was all that good. Um, and that was just a bad day at the office for everyone. Players didn't play well, but I think what it points to more is that the coaching staff, namely Jim Harbaugh, Don Brown, just didn't put those guys in in the right position to succeed uh, and didn't adjust enough either. And, you know, we've talked about that before, but I think that seeing what these guys have done, seeing how they match up against all these other college players athletically, I think it kind of just some, it kind of just backs all that up is all. And this isn't to dog them. It's just, we're, we're calling it what it is. 
Yeah, uh, 100%. And I really, like you said, I don't I don't think Rashawn Gary was a failure in any sense of the form. Uh, maybe you would have liked to see him get, get after the quarterback a little bit more, like get a little more free reign to do that. But at the same time, like everyone is going to hang their hat on the Ohio State game, and maybe rightfully so when you allow 60-plus to Ohio State. But Michigan's defense was really good last year. Probably, you know, at least a top five defense in the country. At, at, at least heading into the Ohio State game. Like, that is the part that I, I see continuously kind of getting lost. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, the run last year, let's go listen Let's go listen to some old Maze and Brews, like in the middle of that revenge tour run. Like, yeah. we were hype about this team. We, we, yeah. loved, we loved Don Brown. We loved this defense. And then it seemed like it was all washed away by the Ohio State game. But for, you know, 10 games, this was an elite defense you know, a top five defense in the country. I think Rashawn Gary was used to the point where this defense could be stifling and he didn't have to get that. That's the thing, too, that that I see like Rashawn Gary doesn't have to get 100 sacks, you know, to to make an impact on a game like he impacts the game without you know, getting after the quarterback every single play. I, I think that can be more valuable than anything, too, because he can get to the quarterback, but he can also command double teams and be a run anchor in the NFL, whether he's inside or outside. He's very versatile. And and this is a cross-sport reference, but how I feel about it is like, do you guys remember the, the national championship game, uh, Kentucky versus Kansas basketball, sure. um, yeah. Anthony Davis's freshman year? So Anthony yeah. Davis, he, he I think he scored like eight points that game. Or something like that, but he, he was been less. I think, he, I think he it, yeah, four. yeah. So he, but he was the most valuable player on the floor because he was impacting yeah. the game in a number of other ways. That's kind of how I feel about Rashawn Gary yeah, on and, the defensive side of the to, football. We're talking about the NFL draft right now. We're not talking about state of the program, state you know player legacies, things like that. You have to, you know, these guys, right. Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, guys like that. They've got what 30, 40 plus games of 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 game tape on file and if a guy like i'm just going to use an example because this is what i earlier this morning i did a profile on jonah williams uh, from alabama for the other site and you go through and you look at some of these other profiles and there's always a game where someone says oh his what was the worst game on tape what was the best game on tape like just because a guy like a jonah williams say has a bad game against you know georgia in 2017 doesn't completely nullify the fact that in those 38, 39 other games that he played, he was a force. He was pro-ready, things like that. So um, I think – and I'll say this about Rashawn. In regards to him, does it – was he a bust? No. Does it feel like there's another gear there that wasn't quite – unlocked yes and i don't know if that's a him thing or if that's a coaching staff thing like i've given my take i I, i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of how he was used because he's you know guy guy's almost 300 pounds he was playing on the edge and i i I never really liked that i I feel like your edge rushers are guys like are guys like quitty pay josh uche things like that but they also run a little bit different of a defense and, and they did rotate out and things like that so um when you look at the, I mean, the NFL draft and the NFL in general, that's a, it's a, when you go into a draft, it's a talent acquisition event. So you're looking for traits, you're looking for stuff on film. Like when you look at everything he brings to the table, 
of course he's a, he's a top 10 pick easily. So I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, you know, I get these tweets from people and, and pretty, I forget who the guy even is, but it's generally one or two people like, oh, well, all this hype for Rashawn Gary, where was the production, huh? It's like, you can't, where was DK Metcalf's production in college? But you look at, this dude's an absolute freak. And, and yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of times college doesn't mean anything. Unless, uh, well, until they you know, change directions. Change directions obviously. a lot is like Mike Evans and you know some of those other bigger receivers. Like I get that. Um, DK Metcalf's a beast. I don't know how good he's going to be in the NFL, but um, God, six three two, almost two thirty, runs a four three three forty. Like that's insane. Like that. That is legitimately create mad and create a player type stuff. But. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I don't know. I don't want to go too far off track here, but it's one of those things where I'm not – I get it. We're all upset that these guys didn't do better. Jabril Peppers, another guy who wasn't overrated but maybe could have done more at Michigan. I think Rashad Gary is very much that type of player, and I think he's actually a better football player from a pure like player standpoint. So – He's going to go in the top 10. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see like – I wouldn't be surprised to see him go as high as like number three to the Jets, number four to the Raiders. But um, this is a traits guy who's a versatile guy. And versatility, you know, in a in a league that's – I don't want to say the NFL is becoming a positionless league, but, you know, the, the lines are starting to blur a little bit on what's a defensive end, what's a defensive tackle, what's a linebacker, what's a safety. So, um, like I said, it sucks that those mm. guys – couldn't do better. And, you know, in two, in two of the last three years, you know, a couple of years ago, Michigan goes 10 and three, 2016 kind of flusters down the stretch like they did this year. And they sent what, 13 guys to the draft, like not quite as much talent coming into the draft this year, but all of the guys, even Karan Higdon uh, performed, but the one guy who I kind of feel, not that I feel bad for, cause he's going to end up on a team is Zach Gentry. Um, didn't have a good showing at the combine. I don't want to say he had a bad showing, but uh, I think he, he ran a four nine forty, which four nine is kind of the if you're a tight end, especially in a league where things are now mm. going to, you know, you're able to flex your tight ends out wide into the slot. They're basically just a big wide receiver. I don't like that for him at all. Four nine forty, twelve reps on the bench press, um, just athletically didn't test out all that well. So he's probably a sixth, seventh round pick, maybe a, a UDFA type of guy. But uh, other than that, even Karan Higdon um, performed pretty well. Uh, he ran a 4.49, which I thought was a good time for him. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that Higdon's probably a guy that comes off the board in like the fifth or the sixth round. But other than that, I would expect those other guys, all those defensive guys will be gone, I think, by the time Friday night's over. Yeah, uh, the the thing on Gentry too uh, that's kind of funny is that like he yeah. is he. Uh, do you guys know like mock draftables, like the the webs that they they kind of do? You know when they put the the combine size together, mm-hmm. his web is is hilarious. But he is six eight. You know he's got that going for him. Like he's not gonna have breakaway speed, but he's probably he might be. You know. He's going to be too big for defensive backs, first of all. I, d- I just don't know if he's got the breakaway speed to get away from linebackers, kind of like Gronk has. But if he puts on a little muscle, like he could be like a Gronk archetype. You know what I'm saying? He's that big. So we'll, we'll have to see on Gentry. But football is 
how many months away? Like we're in March. There's a ton of snow on the ground. I hate it. I'm sick of winter, but it's where we're at. It's basketball season. It's March. It is the most important time of the year for college basketball in Michigan. Huge win on Sunday. Uh, probably, I would say their th- second or third best win of the year. I think on the road at a, a Maryland team that hadn't lost a home game in the Big Ten without Charles Matthews. Found a way to get it done. That was a huge win leading into Saturday night. Still a chance if Purdue stumbles uh, to to tie for a Big Ten championship, regular season, maybe get a higher seeding, maybe get the one seed in the Big Ten tournament. And it all comes up to Saturday night. But I want to go to Sunday's game real quick before we look ahead to Saturday. And and what were you guys' takeaways? Obviously, Xavier Simpson was the story of the game. Uh, when he went out with the three fouls, looked like a completely different team, which is kind of scary when you start thinking about how they're going to be playing in the tournament. But uh, he was fantastic. Uh, There's no other way to put it. That was one of the worst shooting performances I've ever seen from a college basketball team and still able to beat a top 25 team on the road. Yeah, that was a very impressive win. I think you can make the argument. I mean, let's just... Let's pick through the resume. Let's just put North Carolina and Villanova off to the side because it was impressive as hell, but it was also a long time ago. You can make the argument this is the most impressive win of the season given the circumstances. You're on the road in, quite frankly, what is a batshit crazy environment uh, that they always have got the you know, the striped seating there. The students are loud. Uh, very unique place to play. And because of that, Maryland hadn't lost there in Big Ten play. And you don't have Charles Matthews, you know, here's fast forwarding through my thought process here. My biggest takeaway right now is that like Eli Brooks cannot be on the floor for a very long time. Like it needs, no, you need to have David, David Julius out there. And, um, Colin Castleton. I mean, that was a name where I thought that was a guy you probably might not see for two years, but all of a sudden he comes off the bench against Nebraska. Uh, I think that was spurned. Uh, I thought I had maybe read that Brandon Johns had a bit of the flu going on or, or something like that, or one of those guys was sick. But um, you know, talk about coming into a, a situation and running with it. Like he is I've been pretty impressed with him uh, right off the bench on Sunday in Sunday's game after. 11 or 12 points against Nebraska, uh, something like that. But first big off the bench for Sunday's game and first play that he's in there, you know, dunk. And I actually thought that he did a pretty, all things considered, did a pretty decent job when he was matched up against Bruno Fernando, who I know we've talked about this before on here. That guy is absolutely freaking terrifying. Like he is. You want to talk about athletic freaks like in the NFL combine. That is an athletic freak. He is a monster. Uh, I don't know what his like, future is but man oh man he is a he is a load in there uh but yeah you go anytime you can go on the road and big in in the big 10 and get a win it's impressive and to play as poorly as they did offensively um you know even john teske couldn't once again he either hits all of his threes or he misses them short but even on the days where he doesn't make his threes he seems to have that dagger towards the end of the game so um very impressive win. Uh, I liked what I saw out of them. I thought that Xavier Simpson, I, his passing has been terrific all year long. But it, it just in the last few games, it just seems like he's he's kind of hitting that extra gear, like he's threading the needle and, you know, to use all the, the corny, like cliche quarterback type terms. But he is, uh, he is some kind of locked in right now with his passes. So um, now that they you get a win like that, 
you, you get a laugh. I, I feel like they needed the laugh for over Nebraska just to like, just to take a deep breath and, and get back on track. And, and it's going to be, they're not, it, it's not like they're necessarily hot going into this Michigan state game. So I'm not worried about the five or six days off, like being a problem for them. Um, but I will get interested now, you know, it's, it's crunch time. Now you, you got to feel like you kind of stole one at Maryland without Charles Matthews. You have a chance to make things interesting on Saturday. If, um, you know, Purdue uh, is able to slip up in one of these last two games, which I, I believe they get Minnesota and then Northwestern. Uh, so yeah. if they can slip up once and you beat Michigan State, then you're talking about playing it at noon on Friday uh, next or next Friday in Chicago. If not, you're going to play it either, I think, 630 or, or 9 o'clock, uh, depending on what, how the seating works out. So um, selfishly, as someone who's going to be in Chicago for that, covering those games, would love to – you know, to get off the train around 1030 and just go to the United Center and cover a game, uh, not have to wait for eight or nine hours for a game. But um, Purdue's going to backdoor their way into this. It's pretty annoying. I think that unbalanced, the unbalanced scheduling is is just so annoying. Uh, but hey. Okay, can I talk about something quick absolutely. too? I had a guy arg- arguing with me on Twitter that Purdue back. Backing into this Big Ten title isn't what backing in means. I'm like, this is exactly what backing into the Big Ten title means. They're two and three against the top three teams. They are two and three against Michigan, Michigan State, and Maryland. Like, they are backing their way in. And then then he had, like, uh, the logic he used was that – that if they lose and other teams lose, that's how you back in. I'm like, that's exactly – what's happening here like the other teams around them are losing like Purdue was bad against the top three teams and they're able to back their way in due to unbalanced scheduling just had to get a, get that off my chest yeah I think that's a little bit of semantics uh, but I, your definition is correct and the other person's definition is correct like you know Purdue has not really done much to I mean they're there at the top of the standing so I can't say they wouldn't deserve to win the Big Ten but played Michigan once Got destroyed. Uh, you, you're one and one against uh, Michigan State. Like I don't. It's just it's funny how that works out. Which is why I don't put up like obviously the big Big Ten regular season title. Who cares? Like, does anyone remember that Michigan State won the Big Ten regular season title last year? No, they remember that Michigan won the Big Ten tournament. So I, I put a little more weight into that. But it's like. <laughs> I see. I don't. I, I'm on the other end of that one. Like I love Big Ten tournaments, but that's just uh, you win a couple games. Like I think a regular season championship means more, personally, because you're playing it's something to games. hang your hat on for sure. You're playing twenty games. You know, like like anyone you know can win a couple games in a row. And I love the Big Ten tournament championships, but I, I think the regular season championship is something a little more, or it used to be, I guess I should say, because you played everyone in a double round robin. Yeah. Like that's the way it used to be. That was a true champion. The unbalanced scheduling has has given us kind of a a cause for not valuing yeah, well, it as what? much. This is where maybe this is me being sort of a jerk about it. But if you want to complain, and I'm not saying you're complaining, I'm just saying in general, if you're you're pissed off that Purdue's probably going to win the Big Ten, like if you're Michigan, you lost to Penn State, you lost to Iowa, like you got no one to blame exactly. but yourselves. But the fact that it's that's what makes those games hurt that much more is that we talked about, you know, you lose your margin for error and you know, it's one that could haunt you down the road. Um, 
you know, you lose a couple games that you're not supposed to lose and they are in this situation. So has Purdue lost games that they weren't supposed to lose? Uh, I don't think so, but it's weird because we talk about Michigan has lost to Iowa and, uh, and Penn state Michigan state has lost to Indiana twice, which uh, God, what a hilarious turn of events that was on Saturday after everything that had gone down uh, on yeah. social media prior to that. But, you know, Purdue is going to win the Big Ten because they have lost the least amount of games that they were not expected to lose, I guess. I don't know. Does that make sense? That's that's fair. Yep, and they have. They just haven't performed well against the top teams. I don't know. It's weird, but they also only had to play Michigan once, you know. True. I, it was. I think it, Michigan's it a much better team than oh hell Purdue. yeah, much better. Team. I think Michigan State's a much better yeah, team I than agree. Purdue. But this is the situation we find ourselves in. It's it's just weird how that works out, and I won't blame it completely on unbalanced scheduling. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird dynamic the way this is all played out. But hey, shout out shout out to Purdue. Uh, they'll probably be out on the second weekend of the tournament again. So big deal. <laughs> let me let me jump in here. I mean, you you guys have said a lot of what I was going to say. I just think there, there's been several things Michigan's kind of been looking for uh, since the beginning of the season. I think uh, two of them have been uh, you know a, a backup one or one has been a backup point guard, somebody that can run the point when Simpson's not out there, and the other has been somebody who can uh, who can come into the game and give Michigan good minutes down low when Teske is either on the bench, whether it be because of foul trouble or or fatigue. I, I think over the last week or so, they've gotten the answers to one of those, uh, and I think Castleton. Uh, it, I don't know if there's a – let me say first, I don't know if there's a coach in the country that puts more stake in how guys perform at practice than Beeline does. I mean, earlier in the year um, – I mean, earlier in the year, it was Austin Davis was the guy coming off the bench for Teske. Uh, C.J. Baird checked into the game before Austin Davis did against Nebraska. You know, so I, it, it's – and I, I – Apparently, Castleton's been putting it in good work at practice, and he has been in the game. And I think uh, you brought up that he did a fairly admirable job against Bruno Fernando. I agree. And I think part of that is uh, because of the limited minutes that Castleton is going to get, he doesn't really have to worry about foul trouble. So he can be as aggressive as he wants coming off the bench and and going up against another team's bigs. Uh, Now, so they they seem like for the time being, they, they seem to have kind of that backup center uh, issue figured out, but yeah, you guys brought it up. Uh, this team just isn't the same when Xavier Simpson uh, isn't on the floor, and and I, I you know, it, it seems right now with the way that Eli Brooks has looked over the last couple weeks, which has been not very good. It seems like DeJulius would be the guy uh, in those circumstances where Simpson can't be in the game. But uh, Beeline's brought up that he wants DeJulius, I think, to get more more yep. looks at, as as a two guard, which makes me think he really doesn't trust anybody besides Simpson to run the point. It's kind of a sim. It's it's a similar problem. Uh, though maybe not as bad as what Michigan State has, where, uh, you know, Michigan State's foster lawyer is is, is nothing. So, Garbage. So they basically need, Garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they basically need uh, Cassius to play 40 minutes a game. I feel like at some point uh, that's going to come back to bite them. Could it be the same with Michigan? Uh, we'll see. I mean, I don't think as valuable Simpson is to this team, and I, he is 
arguably the most valuable asset to this team. I don't know if he's as valuable as what cat. I don't know if he means as much as what Cassius does to Michigan State. But I mean, the comparisons are are easy to make. Uh, I, I think Michigan against Maryland, they showed, and this is a word that I think it's overused a lot, but they showed a lot of grit. Uh, and a lot of toughness in that game uh, didn't offensively in the first half just really poor. Um, but I brought this up in the post game video I made. I felt like in the last ten minutes they came alive and looked the best they've looked in you know maybe even a, like um two months really. Like like I thought uh, not just the fact that they were playing solid defense, which it ha- we've come to expect, but they were making some shots. I mean, there was a point in the last couple minutes there where they were, they got to a point where they were trading baskets with Maryland, which uh, is, is surprising that Michigan was giving up as many points as they were, but it was even more surprising. Michigan was hitting some shots. Maryland made some ridiculous threes near the end to try the, try to get back into the game. And Michigan just would not let him. Livers hit a huge three. Teske big three. Brodzdakis, uh, who I think was uh, arguably Michigan's best offensive player on Sunday uh, and has looked a lot more comfortable over the last several games, really came up big and hit some big shots. Um and we, we haven't really brought up you know the loss of Charles Matthews. We still don't know how long he's going to be out. Um, they obviously you miss his elite level defense um, offensively as much as Livers struggled on uh, Sunday. I I don't think that they miss uh, a whole lot with with Charles Matthews being injured. Uh, at least offensively. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't even mean that as a knock against the guy. I just think that uh, I think Livers is a better shooter than Matthews. Um, I think he fits more into this offense. Um, but obviously you want Matthews back. You know, as much as I've criticized the guy, he's an elite level defender. He's a good leader. The uh, beeline likes him a lot. Um, hopefully he can come back quick. And if he can't, uh, the guy that is going to need to step up that really didn't on either against Nebraska or uh, against Maryland, uh, Jordan Poole's got to be better. And I feel like we've been saying that for a while. Yeah, there's some question marks, especially with Jordan Poole, though I thought he played a lot better down the stretch against Maryland. But this is going to be a huge test coming up Saturday night. Like, this is your biggest game of the season. You're still fighting, you know, to to stay in a two-seed probably, though uh, no one's projecting Michigan as a one. Like, I I don't see a lot of other teams with a better resume, especially non-conference than what Michigan has, which which is kind of annoying to see a team like Kentucky, who just wasn't really any good in the non-conference, you know, bolt up all to the one line because they're beating some SEC teams. I I don't know. Like, Michigan's got a road win against Villanova, a huge home win over North Carolina. They're 11-1 and against top 25 teams, a ton of quadrant one wins. Like, I, I feel like Michigan can still make a run at the one line here when you take a look at their overall resume. So that, that remains to be seen. But you have to win. A huge win against a top 10 team on the road Saturday. We'll do wonders for your resume and then go, you know, compete for a third straight Big Ten champion, Big Ten tournament championship, uh, but they have to do better at exploiting some mismatches and, and playing in the pick and roll defense. Obviously, on Saturday night, and I feel like this team's going to be hungry and coming in Saturday night. I, for some reason, I shouldn't be confident going into Saturday night, but I am confident, which makes me not confident because we were all confident going into the first Michigan State game. It, exactly. it's, it's a mess. <laughs> it's yeah, I. I, I I sort of have a feeling that Charles might play too. 
Like I have nothing to back that up, no reports or anything, but um, as recently as Thursday, he was in a walking boot. So I don't even know how realistic that is. Uh, I think they'll get him back. I'm thinking maybe by the Big Ten tournament, but I have a feeling that he's going to play in this game on Saturday night. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I've been I've been wrong a lot. So yeah, I, I feel like if he if there's even a chance he can go, he's gonna go. I just I I just don't know if he's gonna be ready. Um, hopefully, yeah, that's the thing. But yeah, it, it's it really we'll is amazing how quickly things change in a week. You know, a, you know, or a week and a half. You know, two weeks ago when we were talking about, uh, or I'm sorry, after the a week ago when we were talking about. Uh, Michigan and Michigan State, kind of the state of the rivalry. Uh, all of a sudden, Michigan State was competing, was going to compete for a one seed. They looked like a team that was going to uh, go to the Final Four potentially. They had the best player of the Big Ten, which they they still do. But uh, and Michigan was kind of uh, trying to str- struggling to find itself. And all of a sudden, in a week, Michigan State loses to Indiana. They lose Kyle Arns uh, potentially for the season, which. I, <laughs> I don't think that's that big of a deal. I it just it hurts their depth because they are already banged up. But I think I yeah I like Michigan's chances in this game. Like and a week ago, I never thought I would have said that. But uh, things change so quickly in college basketball, and um, I think the way Michigan played over these last two games, especially the Maryland game, uh, I think. If you're going to play MSU with the way Michigan's played this year, this is about as good a time as any to play them. Well, we have to uh, enjoy the ride because before we know it, it, you know, it really could be over. And that's the uh, that's a beautiful part of March. But that's also, you know, kind of the the reality of March. So we've got to enjoy the ride. We got to enjoy it Saturday and maybe another run at a Big Ten tournament championship and hopefully another run to the Final Four in Minneapolis uh, here this year. But uh, all starts with Saturday night. You can really get some momentum rolling uh, into the Big Ten tournament and, and hopefully that happens. As we mentioned, going to be a short show here today. So we're uh, we're wrapping things up. I'll let these guys yeah, let you know. To, uh, What's that? Yeah, we need to wrap this up because the game, the new Game of Thrones trailer just came oh, out. Oh boy! So we, oh boy! Well, well, Anthony, before you go watch it on social media, tell us how we can find you. Uh, can find me uh, on Twitter at Anthony T Broom. Follow the website at Maze and Brew. Follow our shows on pretty much anywhere you can get them. iTunes uh, or I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts is the correct term. Uh, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that stuff. Uh, do. Something is in the works. We'll have news on that shortly. Glad to, uh, happy to fill you in on that when the time comes. But uh, yeah, that's my spiel and also free Scott Bell. Free Scott Bell. Chris, where can we find you? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter. That's at Castellani2014. That's at C A S T E L L A N I 2014. My Snapchat is the same as my. Uh, as my Twitter handle, you can find me on Instagram as well. That's Chris Castle 95. That's C H R I S C A S T L E nine five. Uh, I'd appreciate a follow. And you can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. And, uh, don't get turned off by my, uh, high school basketball 
updates because I, I am on the road calling some high school basketball games here. It is also tournament time in the MHSAA, but you can find me on Twitter and then make sure you follow the, the show Twitter as well at Brewcast Show. We've, done, we've been getting better at tweeting from there. I love interacting uh, with all of our listeners. So for Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Yardy. Been another fun episode of Brewcast Michigan, Michigan State this week, and we'll see you next week.